Hello, and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fant. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fant. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Amen. Isn't it just like him to be different, but better? Amen. How many of you glad to be here this morning? Give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Amen. I uh, sitting over there before both worship times, and uh, I was thinking about uh, on the platform those who were praising the Lord. And you know, they when they when they lead us in praise, what they're doing, they're not they're not performing for us. I hope that you know that uh, they're praising Him and inviting us to join. And sometimes we need that. Don't we have somebody kind of let us know it's okay to raise our hands? We want to clap our hands, you know, shout Amen. Uh, and I've had the special privilege seeing seeing uh, Ryan and Carissa singing together, having her back. It's been awesome. And and seeing yeah, and seeing the young people up here with them. And you know, uh, t- two of our youth praise team up here uh, serving the Lord and singing and playing instruments for the glory of God. And then I, I've had the special privilege the last few weeks of having Joe over here in my section as the lead worshiper and uh, their their oldest son and watching him clap his hands and shout hallelujah and amen. And uh, when the parents were coming up, you'd hear him, they'd come up and introduce him. So he'd say, amen, you know. And I said, man, couldn't we learn a lot from the children? Couldn't we learn a lot from the children? I pray that you also would find this to be a place where you can, if you want to uh, be reserved in your worship, that's all right. But but if you really come to know him, somebody asked me one time, I said, it's like a pep rally there for Jesus. Y'all are always excited. I said, yeah, if you'll notice everywhere in the New Testament, somebody was touched by Jesus. They start doing somersaults and, and everywhere, everywhere it says, and they loudly praise the Lord. And so, yeah, we ought to be the only people on planet earth really that has joy overwhelming in our hearts, right? Uh, because we've been redeemed. If you have your Bible this morning, we're going to continue now uh, in a time of worship now through the preaching of God's word in the Old Testament minor prophet called... Now, y'all don't say it like that. Let's try that again. In the Old Testament, minor prophet called Malachi. There we go. All right, Malachi. Uh, and early service, man, I had, we had to do the smile wave. I don't, I've seen a few more, so I don't think we have to do the smile wave this morning, but we'll hold that in my pocket in case y'all get a little more serious on me in the next few minutes, okay? So if you're our guest today, welcome. Uh, we are so glad that you're here. Our chairs are sort of, you know, the, the chair backs that have the little QR code, they're kind of all over the map, but the chairs are back in here, amen, so you had a spot to come in and sit down. But if you'll notice, uh, those are, if you're our guest, grab one of those and scan that with your phone, if you will, because we want to be able to minister to you better than just saying hey to you this morning, okay? And so uh, if you have an opportunity to do that, you'll also learn that uh, if, it may be a little different. I had a, a guy last week the Lord brought here, former Buddhist and uh, not a believer, and he, and, and, and he, was, he was talking about he said, man, I, somebody had, inv- I loved it because he said somebody invited me in his, in his place of business where he works. And uh, he Ubered, didn't even have a ride, Ubered over here uh, from about 30 miles away. And uh, as I was riding back with him, uh, he was telling me about, he said, this was a little different. I said, yeah, it was a he said, it was a lot to take in. I said, yeah, yeah. He said, uh, what really gets me is he said, I was expecting there to be like a Burger King close or a gas station. Uh, he said, man, what are all these people coming out here? He, he'd never been to church before. He's, like I said, former Buddhist. He said, what are all these people coming out? He said, man, there are people everywhere in the middle of nowhere. I said, you can't even get a sandwich anywhere. I said, no, I've learned this. I've learned that people have experienced enough of life to know the government can't help us and laws won't fin- f- fix it and no amount of drinking or, or, or any other thing this world has to offer will satisfy the longing of our heart. 
and people have finally started to see that God's word has stood the test of time for thousands of years, and they're turning to him and turning to the preaching and teaching of his word. So thank you for making that journey, all right? And wherever you come, I know people come from all over the place. Thank you for being here today. Sometimes I say we drive a little. Sometimes if there's a, a soccer coach that's somewhere good and, and we believe our kids can grow there, we'll drive. It's funny. We'll take our kids clear across the county. Um, and so, hey, it's all right if you drove a little. Thank you for being here this morning. Now, Malachi, okay? We've been going through a series of messages that I did not in the beginning intend to be a series of messages, but you know, God, he's sovereign over all things. And have you noticed how we've preached through the whole book? Have y'all noticed that? Some of y'all are like, yes, yes, we've noticed the whole book, all right? And so uh, it's minor prophet, not because it's less important, but called a minor prophet only because of the duration, the length of it, okay? It's a little shorter. And so when you hear people talk about minor prophets in the Old Testament, you may not know your Bible, you may not even know the word prophets. Let me tell you, a prophet in the Old Testament was simply a mouthpiece for God. And so God would speak to the man, and the man would be God's representation to the people. He would, God would speak to him, and he'd say to the people, this is what God said. But also the people would come to him oftentimes and say, hey, tell God this, or this is what's on our heart. And so he he then, in fact, would go to God on behalf of the people, all right? Does that make sense? So now we know what, what Malachi's calling was from God. He was a prophet, all right? Now, we learned that this book is a book that he's dealing with them in relationship to the covenant, all right? Now, here's a question for the group. What is a covenant? A covenant is an agreement between two parties where both parties have, come on now, y'all mumbling up in here. I know there's a little more folks in here this morning. It's all right. All right, we'll try that again, okay? Uh, we said that a covenant is a, a, an agreement between two parties where both parties have responsibilities. Now, a lot of people w were sold this. Hey, pray this prayer, and you can be right with God and go to heaven, and that's all they ever heard. And they never heard that really salvation is a belief that leads to action of surrender, okay? And that the surrender and in inviting Jesus to be Lord is entering into a covenant relationship. The two parties are then God and me or you or those of us who've been born again. So when we say yes and surrender to Jesus, we enter in a covenant relationship with God where two parties both have responsibilities. So God has responsibility in the covenant, but also... We have responsibility in the covenant, okay? Now, somebody told me last week, I never even heard that. And I said, well, I'm glad that you're coming. You're learning. So the series we're talking about maybe covenant, right? He's been dealing with them about how they've been not holding up their responsibilities in the end of the, in their end of the covenant, okay? So uh, let me just quickly review. My intro is no stories about life, but just to give you some background so that you know what we're talking about. Listen, context is everything. Be careful about the voices you let speak into your life. They can take, anybody can take a couple of verses of Scripture and make them say anything they want. But if they give you the context, context is king, the historical, what was going on, who was the author, what was going on with the people, then you can determine the proper interpretation. There are not many interpretations of the word. There's one proper interpretation, different translations, meaning picking a different word in a language to mean the same thing. Everybody with me? You talk fast. I know. All right, so here we go. Now, Malachi's, uh, he's speaking to people in Nehemiah's day. The people are coming back to Jerusalem. They're building the wall. They're getting, getting, getting back together as God's people, okay? And so Malachi's uh, encouragement from God is to tell the people uh, that they have not been holding it there in. But he started in chapter 1 with two reasons why God's people should be living their part of the covenant, all right? Do you remember what they are? Number one, it is the love of God. The love of God. He said, I have loved you. Remember, before he ever said, this is what you're not doing, and this is what you're not doing, and this is what you are doing, he says to them, hey, first of all, I want you to remember, I have loved you. I've loved you. Now, you and I, they're Old Covenant, Old Testament group, and the Old Testament covenant, same word. I love doing that every week. Somebody's like, oh, that's why the Bible says Old Testament, New Testament. Yeah, 
The Old Testament was one, if I was to summarize, I'd say it was steeped in the law. That's where God gave his commandments to man, right? And really showed man that we couldn't live all those commandments. And so that he had an Old Testament sacrificial system. You had a priestly uh, line of people who would minister to the Lord on behalf of the people. They would have animal sacrifices, right? Yearly. Now, remember, these animal sacrifices were like, somebody told me this a long time ago, and it really made it click for me. Uh, those animal sacrifices of the Old Testament were sort of like making the minimum payment on your credit card and never touching the principal. Anybody know about that? Oh, I love those smiles around the room like, yeah, I remember those times, or maybe you're living that now. And so then Jesus came, the new covenant, and he was the fulfillment. He was the full payment. He was the full restitution. He was the full appeasement of the wrath of God on sin. And so then the principle was paid in full. And that's why Jesus said on the cross, the Greek word is, and you're found in the gospels, is tetelestai, which means paid in full or it is finished. So it's take, in Christ, our sins have been, I wish somebody smiled up in the house this morning. Y'all must not have sinned much in your lives. I've sinned greatly in my life. And I'm thankful unto God that Jesus erased the debt that I owed and makes me right with God, okay? Now, back, so you're saying, what, what are we, where are we at here? Well, they knew that God loved them because, well, they would draw near to him and they would fade away. He would, he would, they would get themselves into a mess, They'd cry out to God. He'd send somebody to deliver them. They'd get walking with God. Things would go good. They'd turn their back on God. They'd get into a mess. They'd cry out to God. God was in a deliverer. It was a pattern. Happened over and over and over. Sound like your life? Sounds a lot like mine. And so you look at them in the Old Testament. You're like, How, what was wrong with those people, man? And you say, oh, I'm a lot like them. And so God, in the midst of all of that, would say to them, hey, I've already proven to you that I've loved you. I've never given up on you. Every time you've called on me, I've been there. I've made covenant relationship with you uh, because I love you. No, not because you're special or because you're really smart or tall or handsome or beautiful, but because I chose you. And so you, you should be my people. And so he says, you know, I've loved you. Now, let me say something to you. You may be here today and you may be questioning the love of God because your life is difficult. You, you may be questioning the love of God because sometimes circumstances can be hard. Maybe you've lost a loved one. There's been a diagnosis. And so in your heart, in your mind, you're saying, man, I don't, I don't really know if God loves you. And I want to remind you, listen, that we in the new covenant, they were looking forward to God's provision. We look backwards. And I want to say to you, friend, listen, if you don't hear me say anything else today, hear me say this. God has not trying to prove to you that he loves you based on your circumstances today. God has already proven his love for you in that he did not spare his own son, Jesus, when he left the throne of heaven and took the punishment we should have received. Does that make sense to you? I hope it'll just settle on your heart this morning because the enemy will try to say, oh, how can God love you? Look what's happening. Look at life. And God says, wait, 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 wait. I'm not trying to show you. I've already proven the fact that I love you. Here's what the Bible says. He says, God has demonstrated his love for us, past tense, in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. So he's already settled that issue, okay? So we have the same motivation that they do to live out the covenant because he's loved us. He's already proved it. The second reason he gave them, if anybody can remember, it was, come on, y'all, the magnitude of God. And what does that mean? It means the bigness of God. So the end of chapter one, he says, you're gonna find out I'm not just the Jehovah of Israel. I am God of everything. And those two reasons ought to motivate me and you and them to live out our part of the covenant in relationship, okay? And then he goes from there. And wouldn't you say it'd be like a long, extended conversation with your dad when you have done wrong? Y'all didn't have that. Oh, man. 
Uh, I got a lot of whippings growing up. Y'all probably didn't, and I did. And so there were a lot of times when they would go on and on. I'd be like, man, can we just finish this, you know? Can we just get to whipping and move on? And, uh, and so God, and just like mom and dad, wanted to go through the details with them. And he's telling them that you've been doing this. Remember some of the things that they were doing? Remember the people he's talking to? In their yearly sacrifices, they were supposed to be going to their flock and choosing the most expensive, right, the blemishless lamb, and offering that to the Lord. But what they began to do was they would go out to their flock and they'd find one that was sick, going to die anyway. And they'd say, you know what? I'm going to offer to the Lord my lamb, just like he said, even though he's going to die. Y'all don't tell nobody. And I'm going to go offer. He's going to die anyway, and we'll all be better for it. But that's not what God had required. So they also were bringing not just sick ones, but they were bringing lame ones, some that wouldn't walk. In other words, they were choosing that which would not cost them anything. We, we said that they were giving God their, see if you remember, we give it to our dogs sometimes. We said they were giving God their, their scraps. They were giving God their leftovers. And they were even, watch this, it had gotten so bad, they were stealing other people's lambs to offer to God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if, Jeff, I came, I had a flock of lambs, you had a flock of lambs, and it's time to do the sacrifice. I said, I'm going to ease over here in his field and pick through his sheep. And I picked me up. I said, well, look at this one. This is the best one. It'll look good when I go to the altar and take it to, and uh, Jeff don't know, but I tell, but here's what's happening there. It is, it is a, dis, it's an, it's an ignoring that God is everywhere. He sees all things. And they were bringing these lambs that were, weren't even there. It was stolen. And so these people, you think God would have said, I'm done with y'all and fry them like crispy critters. But he didn't. But he didn't. Instead, he's having a long talk with them through the prophet Malachi because God does not, hey, listen, he, he has more joy in forgiveness and restoration than he ever does in punishment. And so take heart of that this morning, all right? Now, we've had a long introduction, haven't we? Do you feel like this morning you have a little footing as to what's going on in Malachi? Have you already learned a little something about Malachi maybe you didn't know? All right, that'll help you in the context of today's message. So we're going to be in chapter 3, all right? Find that, and then we're going to stand together. Just a minute, chapter 3. Find with me, if you will, verse 7 down through, all the way down through verse number 12, all right? 7 through 12 is what we're going to cover. When you find it, if you would, let's, if you would, I'm inviting you to stand to your feet in honor of reading God's Word. <clears throat> now, it's not a mindless exercise. We're standing because we're, we're God, reading the Word that has stood the test of time for generations, the Word of the living God. All right. By the way, doesn't the worship center look great? Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Huh? We got more space. Hey, they got some work done in here this week, didn't they? Uh, we thank God for Macintosh and, and, and for all the work that's been done here. I'm telling you, and even those who helped put it, kind of put it back together. Uh, remember this week, just as a reminder, we won't be having Wednesday night again. All right, hang with me we'll, we'll, one more week. And, uh, and we'll give them another opportunity to kind of finish things up in here. So you guys be praying for them as they continue uh, working so hard to get, this, to get this ready, okay? Isn't it great? To have, look how many folk we got were able to get in here. Some of y'all had to left a few weeks ago. And so we're glad that you have a spot today to celebrate the risen Lord with us and to grow in his word, okay? Now Malachi chapter 3, all right? Picking up in verse number 7. Yet from the days of old, uh, your fathers, uh, you have gone away from my ordinances, and have not kept them, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, now God's having a conversation. He's talking about what he's saying, and he, he, he's speaking on their behalf. You know why? Because he was there. And so he said, you said, in what way shall we return? And he answers it with a question. Don't you love when somebody answers a question with a question? You know what the purpose of that is to make you think about it on the inside. So he gives them a question to ponder. Will a man rob God? And that's a ludicrous question. It's an absurd question that a creature would rob the creator. 
It didn't make any sense. You would even ask such a crazy question. But listen with him. He says, yet, yeah, he answers it before they have time. You ever, mom and dad ever ask you a question before you got a chance to answer, they answer it for you? Yeah. He says, yet yeah, you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes? Y'all won't even read the word. Offerings. Now, pause for a minute. I'm going to look around the room, and I'm going to tell you, there's some people in here that are already saying, boy, we picked the wrong Sunday. And there's some of us in here. I know I've been there. I remember. And there's some of us in here saying, man, I came for baby education, and that doggone, we got in there, and he preached on giving. I, if you'll just listen to me for just a second. If you'll ask the Lord to help you lay that down and just have an open mind and listen for what the Lord's going to say to you today, I promise you you're going to get something better out of it. Okay? Just listen for what he's going to say to you about it. Help you to understand something about it today, okay? All right, picking back up. He says, well, a man robbed God, then he answers. Yes, you robbed me. How? Tithes and offerings. He goes on to say in verse 9, yet you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, that helps us to see maybe they were bringing some, they were, some were bringing it, but he says, bring all into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, well, this sounds good, come on, somebody, and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations, listen to this last verse, all right? And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be, I love this phrase right here, and you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Let's pause for a brief word of prayer. Would you bow with me for just a moment? Somebody said, man, we didn't pray four times today. Uh, yes, we are dependent upon the Lord. We got nothing to say without him, and nothing good will be accomplished unless he does it. Okay, so let's talk to him. Father, we thank you this morning for the preaching of your word. And God, I ask you today uh, that you would empower me again, a weak and beggarly vessel, less than ordinary guy. Um, God, put on display that you really can't call anybody, use them any way you want to, anywhere you want to use them, anytime you so choose. I thank you for that. Lord, I stand boldly and confidently today because I'm not saying something that I said. I'm, I'm, I'm telling the people, I'm sharing with us what you said. So Father, would you help me through the gift of preaching in your Holy Spirit to bring this to a place where every person understands, the youngest to the oldest, most educated to the least, that Father, we take it in like our daddy's talking to us and, and enlightening us and encouraging us for the benefit of transformation. Now, Lord, would you also tune our ears to hear your voice? Help us not to be distracted by anything. Lord, help us to celebrate the crying of children and, and the young folks among us. And God, would you help us to not be a distraction by getting up, moving all around constantly. Father, speak from heaven. We're listening. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now then, uh, we're going to rewind back to the beginning there, back to verse number seven, and make sense of all of this. Interesting, isn't it? That after talking about giving him leftovers and scraps, that he would end, get too close to the end of this, of this message, and he would deal with them about what they had been offering to him, okay? Now remember, once Malachi closes the book, all right, there's a long time before God says anything to man again. Anybody know about how long? We all been listening every week. About 400 years of silence from heaven where God speaks through no prophet, and so what we find then after that, the next word that comes from heaven comes in the form of God's messenger angels to Zacharias and Elizabeth, who are going to have John the Baptist, and to Mary, who's going to have, you know his name, say it, Jesus, all right? And so we see this. So listen, I would say this way. Wouldn't you agree with me? Sometimes a person's last words have a whole lot of emphasis and weight. 
And so let's, let's, let's listen in this morning, okay? Going back, Roman number one, and you know, just write this down. We're gonna look at it, verses seven and eight, okay? God desires, now listen, I wanna help it make sense after you write it. God desires heart return, heart return. Now, when he says return to me, he's not just saying get back in line with your actions. What he's saying is, I want your heart to be close to me. You, you can do action on the outside, but God says, I want your heart to be where I am. I want to be the treasure of your heart. I want to be the love that, is, uh, that makes your heart beat and where you invest your time, talent, and treasure. So, so read with me, if you will, uh, verses 7 and 8, all right? <clears throat> Here's what God says. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my, listen to this phrase here, ordinances. Isn't that, a, isn't that don't you love that word? Don't you wish you had more ordinances in your life? Huh? Anybody wish you had a little more ordinances in your life, you know, that you just have to have? And so God says, I've given you these ordinances, but let me give you one of those just so that you understand what he's talking about. Write in your notes, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. Here are some of the ordinances that he's talking about that I gave to your fathers that you've walked away from, okay? What, what, what are they? Here's some of them. All right, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, God has promised his people he's going to send them to a land flowing with milk and honey right? And now they're there. They're there. And he says, I'm going to send you there. And when you go there, I'm providing for you. And you're going to have homes. They're going to be nice. You're going to have a lot of vegetables and fruit. The land's going to produce for you. It's going to be wonderful. That's what God said. When he told him to cross that river Jericho with Joshua, he said, that's what I'm promising you. But he tells them when you get there, here's a warning from God. And by the way, God's warnings are his grace. You listen to me, write that somewhere. God's warnings are his grace. Our flesh gets offended because we're like little toddlers, but our God's warnings are his grace, okay? So uh, back there, he says, when you get there, you have all that, and I provide all that for you. Don't forget me. Don't forget me. You know, you and I have a tendency to forget God when things are going really, really well, and remember him when things are going really, really not. And so he says, when things are going really, really good, and they're going to, don't forget about me. And part of the way that you're going to remember me, well, let me just first give you what they said. Let me give you an illustration. When Tina and I first got married, we had a little three-acre plot of land out in Raymond, and we had a little single-wide trailer. And, man, we cleared. It was so thick, and we cleared that and got moved out there. And I remember, now, y'all be gracious. Some of y'all don't know me. I'm, listen, you thought I was born a preacher. I wasn't. I, well, I, listen, I had to be born again to get saved. And so, listen, as I, was, I remember walking out of that land, that I think Riley was born, probably Maddie, and I, I remember walking around out there and saying one day to myself, you ever talk to yourself? Okay, good, it's not just me. And I said to myself, now listen, have grace. Are y'all already judging me? And I remember looking at my hands and saying, with these two hands, I've cleared this, I've cleared this land. Listen to the pride in that. And so now let's look at the passage. Look at the passage. Here's, here's Deuteronomy 8. He says, when you get there, when you get to that place and the land's clear and your trailer's in there, that's not what he said to them, but you get it. When you get, huh? When you get there and, and I've provided for you and I've taken care of you, don't you say you did it with your own. Read it, read it. You're going you're gonna to think I wrote this, but I didn't. This is just how I was. And listen, he says, then you say in your heart, or is, is it on there, Deuteronomy 8, 17? Is it on there? Or read with me. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my have gained me Sound like Terry said it, don't it? But it wasn't me. It's was a thousand years before I was born, so I didn't write that. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is, oh, read with me. It is he who gives you your power to get wealth, that he may establish, why does he do that? That he may establish, oh, there it is, his covenant that he swore to your fathers. What was his covenant? He said, part of my responsibility in this covenant, I'm going to take care of you. 
part of this, part of God said, my, part of my responsibility that I said to your father's way back there, I'm going to put them in a land and I'm going to take care of them, right? But when you get there, don't you say you did it like I did. He said, you remember now, now listen, what you're going to learn today about, about giving. So, so now watch how the thing flows. God said in verse, back in Malachi chapter three, verse seven, he says, yeah, from the days of your fathers, you've gone away. Do you see how they've gone away from that ordinance? He says, don't do that. What were they doing? They were doing just that. You said, how do you know that? Because they weren't giving God anything. They were keeping it for themselves. Read on down with me, verse number seven. And you have not kept them. But now here's God's desire. This is interesting. It looks to the mercy of God and the grace of God in the middle of verse seven. And return to me and I'll return to you. Now listen, if somebody's done you wrong seven, 10, 12, 15 times in a row, over and over and over again, and each time they get in a mess, they call on you, eventually somewhere down the road, what happens? Don't, don't call me. Call somebody else. We call it burning. Look at y'all. Burning bridge. You didn't burn that bridge. You had to go somewhere else. Aren't you thankful unto God that God's bridges are unburnable? And he says, even though you've done me wrong over and over and over again, here's what I want. I don't want you to avoid me. I don't want you to stay far away from me. I want you to come close to me. Oh, I love him. Anybody else love him this morning? I love him. I can't believe he still loves me. I've given him every reason to give up on me, and yet he won't. I love him. Let me read on. All right, end of verse number seven, but you said, now watch this. God says, here's my desire, but you've been saying to yourselves, in what way shall we return? So let's just for a moment imagine that they are being sincere. They're saying, okay, God, you're telling us in all these other chapters, all that we've done wrong, how do we, how are we supposed to draw back near? Now, what he says next and the statement I'm going to make is going to blow your mind. It was really hard for me this week. I wrestled through it. Let me explain. If I said to you, uh, you need to draw near to the Lord, and I'm going to use Daniel as an example, and I, and I don't know the Lord, Daniel, and I came to you sometime, and I said, uh, Daniel, I hear people say, draw near the Lord. How can I do that? You probably wouldn't tell him by giving. <laughs> Give some money. <laughs> They'll run from you, right? You'd probably tell them, if, if they said, how can I draw near the Lord, what would you say? Pray, talk to him, you know, spend some time in the word, right? I mean, how, how many of y'all would say the same thing Daniel did? Talk to him, prayer, and time in the word. That's, that'd be the number one answer. But what you're about to find out is that God's people, and this is the main idea of the whole passage, God's people draw near to him through giving. Now, when I wrote that down this week and I'm studying through that, I said, that just sounds so weird to me because I've, listen to me, I've, I've been pastoring for over 18 years and I've never made that statement to another human being. You can draw near the Lord through giving. And so God's taught me something this week. Aren't you glad we're all teachable all the way until we go home? We should be. And so now watch this. Let me, let me show you because some of y'all are like, what? Hang on. So they said, how can we draw near? And God poses a question. And the question is, what does he ask them? Will a man rob God? Now that's interesting. We went from talking about how to draw near and God says, well, let me ask you a question. Would a man rob, would, would, would creature dare rob creator. And if I was to ask you that, hey, y'all think that the creature would ever, would ever rob for the one who created? And we would say, that's ridiculous. No way. would." It. And so he doesn't give them time to answer. He answers for them. And he says, what is it? How's it? What's his answer? You have robbed me. Now notice, how do you, how do, why did I make that contrast? The first word of that next phrase helps us understand. He said, yet. Now, the reason he said yet was because in their minds, they're thinking like, man, you no way would the creature rob the creator. No way would God, I mean, man, rob God, no way. And he says, yet, on, on the contrary, you have robbed me. 
And then watch, and he says now, and you, you, you say, your question now next is, well, have we robbed you, God? And so again, he doesn't give him time to answer. Notice what he does. He answers for him. And what does he tell him? In tithes and offerings. Now look, some of y'all looking at the carpet and getting all mumbly on me. Don't do that. You're about to learn something. I promise you, when you leave out of here, you're going to say, oh man, I learned something today. So God says, you're not close to me. Your heart is somewhere else. How do I know? Jesus said in the New Testament, where your treasure is, there you, oh, now it's starting to make sense. There your heart is also. So what he tells them is that you have not been near to me. And so if you're going to draw near to me, when you draw near to me, when I become your treasure, tithes, my, the ordinances, when, I, when I've shown you that you need to be giving and giving uh, of the, listen, they tied their seasonings that they grew like, like mint, the mint seasonings, you know, the leaves, they, they gave 10% of the, everything they had, they gave 10% of, and that's what the Lord had, 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 had shown them. Now, uh, my question for you, as we walk through this, this morning, as we talk about tithe, simply tithe means a 10th. Okay. Y'all tracking with me? I wish y'all smile a little bit. We're learning. We're learning something. Okay. Now, my question would be uh, that what happened for the people is that they were no longer giving to the storehouse, no longer giving because God used what they gave to take care of the Levites, who were the, who were the ones ministering in the temple. They didn't get a land allotment. So God said, I'm going to use the tithe to take care of them. The aliens, no, not from Mars. That meaning Gentiles, anybody who was not a Jew, right? Because they obviously didn't get land allotted to them in the new land in Canaan. And then also widows, who didn't have anybody to take care of them. He, he was using that to, and so when they were withholding, here, here's what they were doing by not giving, you ready? They were not acknowledging God as their provider. If your heart says, I love the one who takes care of me, then you're going to give when he says give. If you're not, you're going to just kind of do whatever, whenever, however. Is anybody with me still? Y'all already mad? It's all right. Stay with me. It's going to work out before we get done. Okay? So he goes on to say uh, that there was, a, there, there was no acknowledging God in their giving. So he says, you're going to rob me how? In tithes and offerings. Now, I want you to think for just a minute about our context because that was then and this is now. My question for you is tithing a commandment. Now, don't answer it. I want you to write down somewhere on your paper. If you got something to write with, write your answer. Don't let anybody else see it. Husbands don't look at wives. Wives don't look at husbands. Girlfriends, wives, whatever. Don't look. Write your answer. Is tithing a commandment? Just recently, one of my friends preached a message to his congregation based simply on this statement. Tithing is a command. It is not a command. You'll find, uh, boy, look at that right there. Some of y'all are like, shoo. Thank you, Lord. And uh, let me say this to you. Isn't it? Amazing that we would ever think about relief that we don't have to give to the one who's given everything for us. It just strikes me about our flesh, doesn't it? About how, how we, sort of we're all wired. So you say, how do you know uh, giving is not, uh, uh, tithing is not a commandment? Well, the first example of tithing we see is found in Genesis chapter 14, verse number 20, way before God ever gave the Levitical law to his people. It is Abram, we know better, is Abraham later. He is, gives a tithe of everything he has to Melchizedek as an act of worship, right? So what we find is it's a natural expression of the, of the, of the creature to the creator by giving a tenth, all right? Now, uh, is it a command in the New Testament? Is it something that we should, so we said, no, it's not a command, but it is, write this down, an expectation. Okay, now let me show you. We're learning. Let me show you. Who taught in one sentence about tithing in the New Testament? His name is Jesus. And it's found in Matthew 23 and verse number 23. Listen to what he said. 
He's addressing a group of Pharisees and scribes. They were the legalists. So on the outside, they followed the law to a T, okay? And Jesus is going to address them, but they weren't very loving. They weren't merciful. They weren't gracious. Is y'all tracking with me? So they were doing the tithe part really, really good, but they weren't loving people and they weren't standing up for righteousness and justice, okay? Everybody with me? So let's see what he says to them. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. And what does he call them? Hypocrites. Why? For you pay the tithe, there it is, of mint, which is some leaves they grew for seasoning, all right? And anise and cumin, right? So you're tithing all the stuff and you have neglected the weightier matters of the law. What are they? Justice, help me, mercy, and faith. So you're doing this, but you're not doing that. Everybody with me so I can move on? Yes, nod your head yes. I know you're still awake. All right. Uh, so we have, we have, you're doing this. You're tithing all the little small spices in your cabinets. You, you follow with me. <laughs> but you're not, you're not following love and justice and mercy. Okay. Now let's see how does Jesus address this. Does he say you shouldn't do this? You should do that. Does he say you should cut back on this and start doing that? What does he say to them? Let's read. He says, these you ought to have. So what you are doing, you ought to do. You should do without leaving the others undone. So I would ask you, is tithing mentioned in the New Testament? You would now say, yes. If I said, who mentioned it? You'd say, Jesus. And if I said, well, Jesus said, we're not supposed to tithe, you'd say, false. He said, we ought to, we should. Okay. So it's not a command, but it is in fact an ex expectation. Now, why do you think, I just want us to think through something. I heard Piper talking about this, a uh, 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 pastor. He, 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 think about this for a minute. Why do you think Paul never used, th this is the greatest passage in the Old Testament that deals with tithing. You can't misunderstand anything in there, right? I'm watching your faces. Y'all just sort of interact with me a little bit, okay? What do you mean by that? There's no gray area. He says, you're robbing me. How? By tithes and all. Okay, well, that sort of summed it up. There's no, you can't miss the point here, right? So why then did Paul never take that passage when he asks, when he's asking churches to give to fund the mission that he's living? Because he did ask them. Numerous times he would plead at churches to say to take an offering, to, to take up an offering, to fund the mission that he was going around planting churches and sharing the good news because the mission costs money. I told you that it did back then, it still does today. So why did Paul not use this Old Testament uh, uh, teaching every time he addressed giving. I, I'm going to tell you I'm, I, what I believe and what I, I think the scripture support is two particular reasons, all right? Because there's two major sins that living based on this law will produce. Now, now Paul had taught that we don't live under law, we live under grace. Don't we love that word? And so what happens is, number one, we try to live that law and it produces the sin. Here's two, two main sins associated with tithing. Number one, self-righteousness. Not too long ago, I met an individual, and after about 15 to 20 minutes with this individual, I could determine he was not a very nice person. You ever, you ever meet anybody like that? I know nobody in here is like that, but I know that some, you've probably met some people like that, right? Unfriendly, unkind. Uh, people that would come up, he was rude to them, uh, talked with, with his, some of his children. They, he, had, he had just dis, dis treated them terribly. And yet we were talking and, and we were talking about, you know, he, he, when people find out I'm a preacher, the game changes. So that's why if you're ever with me and some of your friends come up and I don't know, him, I'm not going to say, hey, I'm Terry. I'm the pastor. I don't do that. I like to just be Terry because there's really only one who sits on the throne. And I don't like people to get all weird around me and start putting masks on and acting different, you know. 
And so he, he, he's talking and he's, he's talking, you know, he's talking bad about it. And when he finds out I'm a preacher, the switch flip. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Shroop. And also he's saying some verses that he knows. And he said, he said, I'll have you know that I have tithed my whole career. And I'm thinking, are you, in, you play NFL or what, what do you mean your career? And, and you could see the self-righteous attitude that he had never missed giving his 10%. And somehow maybe that was going to assign him a certain room in heaven. And my friend, listen to me. The only hope you and I have of being right with God is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. A giving uh, will never do that. So, so I believe Paul wouldn't, didn't, didn't hammer him with that because, because it, when you and I hear that, we hang on that. We think we're doing something special. And we start feeling righteous because we're doing something right. Okay. Now, the other reason is, I believe, is because it also limits, right, generosity. Think about it. If in the New Testament I'm taught to be generous, would you, if I said I've got $100 here and 10% of that is $10, I have to pick small numbers for me, okay, and I'm going to give you $10 and I'm going to keep 90, would you call me generous? Probably not. And so I believe Paul didn't, when he, when he said, that, hey, give toward the mission, he was asking churches to take, to help other churches and things that they were doing. The reason I believe he didn't hammer them with Malachi is because he didn't want to limit the New Testament teaching of generosity in their giving, right? Because there are people, this may blow your mind, they give way more than 10%. And so uh, I want you to see that uh, tithing is a great place, by the way, to begin, and just practicing some of that. And we'll get into that in a little bit more in just a minute. So, by the way, how many of you learned something already this morning? Raise your hand. Isn't it good? Isn't the word of God so it's fun? Hey, we're having fun, by the way. I am. I'm learning, right? And I know God is still working on me. By the way, none of us in here are finished products. So if you think somebody left or right or your front or behind you is more better than you are, more better, listen, they are, in fact, at best, saved by grace and a work in progress. And now we can take a deep breath and learn some more together. Y'all ready? All right, here we go. This is yes. Come on now. All right, come on. Here we go. So number two in your notes, we said Roman number one, God desires heart return. He says, your heart is not close to me and I can see it in your giving. You're not acknowledging me as your provider because you're taking your provision and you're keeping it all for yourself. Oh, sound like anybody in here. Could that be you that he's talking to today? Number two, to ignore God in provision comes at a price. To ignore God in provision comes at a price. Let me show you verse number nine. So remember, we find in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that we're not supposed to lean on our own understanding, right? But to trust in the Lord with all our heart and in all of our ways, acknowledge him. How do you acknowledge God as your provider? You give. They weren't giving. In essence, they weren't acknowledging God as their providers. We did this with our own two hands. I built this business with my own, I built this house. I've, I earned my own living. I did this with my own two hands. And that's where they were. Now, listen to what he says in verse number nine. You are cursed with a curse because you've robbed me, even this whole nation. He says, all, all of you are participating in robbing. Your heart is not close to me. You're not honoring me as provider. And so you're keeping it for yourself. Now I wrote it like this, to ignore God in provision. That's how I wrote it. Sounds nice and gracious. God called it robbing him. You see how those two are related, but sound different. So ignoring God in provision is in his essence to rob him. It comes at a price. Let me give you an example. Write this verse in your notes. And we're, we're almost done. Hang with me. Write down Haggai chapter one, verse six. Old Testament minor prophet, another one. Here's what he said. God said through him. 
you've sown much. Y'all reading with me? You've sown much, but you bring in little. You ever done that? Work really, really hard and only have a little to show for it? You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You're not satisfied with what you have. You clothe yourselves, but nobody's warm. Here's where it really settled in with me. And you, he who earns wages, earns wages to, it, just to put them. Doesn't that sound fun? Listen, go to work, work yourself to death, come home, put your money in a bag, walk around with a bag, but cut a hole in the corner. Who would do that? I'll tell you, not one of us. Not one of us. But there was a time in my life, early years of our marriage, I remember one time working 180 days in a row without a day off, mostly 10-hour days, laying asphalt. And Tina can testify, in those days, we didn't have anything to show for it. You know, you get this big check. Anybody, y'all, I guess nobody here is relating to what I'm saying. I guess I'm just, this message is just for me and you, man. It's just us. And I work, and Christian, you too, all right. And so we, we work, we work, we work. We got all these hours. Our focus is work. We're not, we're not thinking about God as my provider, and we're working more hours, and we're getting more jobs, and we're staying over late. We're not spending time with our families, and, and we're not doing anything. It's just all about work. And then you come to the end of the week, you got nothing to show for it. Can anybody relate to that? And so, and so that's what he's saying to them. When you don't acknowledge me as your provider, you can work all you want. The bag that you put it in is going to have, y'all help me, holes in it. Boy, now somebody, listen. Now, now watch, let me pause. Here's intermission time. Pause. Now me and you are going to just have a little conversation. Some of y'all ticked off right now on the inside. How do you know? Because I've been there. But what I want to ask you to do is why, and ask yourself the question, why is God saying this to them? Is he wanting to punish them and make their life miserable? Hang on, we're going to answer it. Or does he desire better for his children, and so he's trying to point them in the right direction? Hang on to that. We're going to come back to it, okay? So uh, we said to ignore God in provision, it comes at a price. It does. Roman numeral three, and this is the last one. Somebody, don't smile too big. I'll feel, I'll get sad, all right? Roman numeral three, because it's my second time to preach, and I wish I had one more try, but... Here we go. All right, Roman number three, write this down. Acknowledging God, so this is the opposite. We said not acknowledging God comes at a price. Acknowledging God in provision by giving reaps great reward. So God didn't just say, hey, you, if you don't do this, you're going to be working for nothing. He's now going to give them the positive. And by the way, I like getting the negative and the positive, don't you? Notice how God did it. He gave them the bad news first. Any bad news first people in the house? I like the bad news first. Boy, that good news seems even better, doesn't it, when you get hit with the bad news first? He says, here's the bad news. If you don't acknowledge me in giving as your provider, it's going to be a curse to you. It'll be like putting your money in a, in a, in a bag that has holes in it. But, but if you will acknowledge me by giving, there's going to be great reward. Okay, let's read it. That's going to be found in verses 10 and 11. All right, 10 and 11. He says, bring all the tithes. So with the word all, we understand that probably they were giving some scraps. In their, in their tithes and offerings. And he says, bring them this to us that, the, that there may be food in my house and try me now. Uh-oh. And God said, what? Any parents or grandparents in the room ever say to your children and grandchildren, try me? Now, all right, okay. By show of hands, how many of y'all said try me? Raise your hand. Okay, good night. That's my people. All right. All right, same group of people. Did your mom, how many of your parents, mom or dad ever said to you, try me? So we learned it, didn't we? We learned it. I can remember my mama telling me something, and in my little mind be thinking, I'm going to do that anyway. And then her say that next statement, try me, and I said, no, no, not going to do it. Not going to do it. Been there, done that, not going to do it. Right? Try me. Now, that is not the context of what God is saying. 
This isn't on the other side, there's punishment. This is a, this is a please try me. This is a, when you try to convince your child to, to leave the training wheels on a little bit longer. Try, try me in that. Because if you take them off, when you first get on your bike, it's going to tear your knees up at best. Is anybody flowing with me what I'm trying to say here? So, so what we have is a father who's saying to his children now, hey, I want to I invite you into something that is going to be a blessing and reward to you. If you'll acknowledge me, if you'll acknowledge me through provision as your provider by giving, I'm going to bless you. I say like this, bless your socks off. Now, let me explain two particular ways, okay? Number one, number one, write it down, bountiful return. Bountiful return. What does it mean? If I put one butter bean in the ground, my best hope is it's going to, it's going to grow up a big bush and have one butter bean on it. Huh? No. It's going to put a butter bean in the ground. And it's going to produce a vine or a bush. It's going to produce many butter beans, right? Same with a kernel of corn. Can you imagine if you planted one kernel of corn and what you got it was a big green plant and it produced one little kernel of corn? Man, we'd be in a mess, wouldn't we? So bountiful. What you give, he's going to give more back to you. Let me read it, all right? Verse number 10. He says, and try me. Oh, let me, let me just hit that try me one more time. And try me now in this, because I told about this little testimony this morning. Scott Frazier, many of y'all know him and Kelly. And uh, there was a number of years ago, he came to me one time. And he's like, man, I'm so glad that you, you challenged us. And I'm like, oh, I, I didn't remember right offhand what he's talking about. He said, he said, me and my wife, a couple years down the road, he said, we've not gone to school and gotten new degrees or anything like that. He said, but, but when you challenged us to take 30 days and test God and try God for 30 days to tithe, he said, I, I, it's unbelievable how God has turned our lives upside down in a positive way. He said, people used to help us. Now we help, we're able to help people. And, and, and so, you know, I, somebody said, well, you're issuing us a challenge. No, God did. God challenged them. And what did he say to them? Try me. Put it to the test. He said, by the way, it's the only thing God says that about, so be careful. <laughs> the only thing in the whole word of God, Genesis Revelation, God ever said, try me. This, he says, try me. But why? He wants us to reap the benefit. I don't understand it. They had done God wrong how many times? I say this all the time. We can do anybody like we've done Jesus, and yet he still says to us, come on, try me. I'm going to bless your life. I want to bless you. So we read down a little bit. So there's bountiful blessing. He says uh, in verse 10, try me now, and this says the Lord. So what it becomes then, now, so far he's dealt with the heart. I can't even make a heart because my wrist. Y'all go with me. Okay? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So the heart, he's dealt with the heart so far. Return to me, draw back to me, how? By, by giving, showing that you really love me as your provider and it shows in your giving. Now he's dealing with them in the issue of faith. Try me. Now I remember when I was uh, 21, 22, 10 now, first early in our marriage. And I remember the first time I started thinking about tithing and I thought, ain't no way. You know, because Riley needed diapers and, and, uh, and we had, I, I remember thinking now, it's either, you're either going to live your life on logic or faith. And the Bible says it's impossible to please God except by faith. So he says, now I'm, I've been talking about your heart has been far from me. It's proven in where your treasure is. But now I want to show you it's an issue of faith. If you believe me, if you believe me, you'll try this. And so then it becomes, I remember, well, I was a very logical person. I know that probably surprises some of y'all. But logic, here's what logic says. Logic says, if you give me $100 and I have 10 in my hand and 90 in this hand, logic says, I have to answer a question. 
if I take this $10 and give it to the work of the kingdom, to the Lord, is it worth more? Is it going to be more beneficial? Is it going to be multiplied more in the turning it over to the Lord, or is it going to be worth more in my hand? Logic says that's an easy question. If you take the $10 out of my hand, it's not in my hand anymore. And therefore, logic says 90 is less than, I wish y'all would participate with me. 90 is less than 100. And so logic will keep you from ever trusting God and living your life by faith. And it'll never be a life experiencing the power and faithfulness of God. But on the other hand, here's what he's offering. He says, if you'll just trust me, if you'll believe me, there's going to be bountiful reward. He says so much. That's what he says next to him. He says so much. So I'm going to open the floodgates of heaven and I'm going to send so much in your life that you won't even have room. Come on, somebody to store it. What's he saying? He said, you'll have enough to give, give to people. You'll have enough to give to help people. You'll have even more to give. You see, you'll have even more to help and bless and, and use for the kingdom and to bless other people. You see that? He, he's saying, if you'll trust, but it's a faith issue and you'll have to trust me. And so the question is, you believe him or you don't. If you don't, the $10 will stay in yours. If you do, we shall smile with me. I know it's too simple. It's all, we wish it was a little more complicated, don't we? It's just so simple. Okay, moving on. Finally, finally, number two, all right, number two. Said two things, acknowledging God in provision by giving reaps great reward. First great reward, bountiful return. Verse number 11, number two. And we're, gonna, we're almost done. Y'all hang with me. Protection from the devourer. Now, quick logical question. How many of y'all wish that the devourer would take residence in your home? Just camp out. How many of you would, would like for the devourer to, to camp out in your marriage? Now, what does a devourer do? It devours. Uh, a devourer steals. A devourer kills. And a devourer destroys. Oh, it sounds a lot like Jesus' description in John 10, 10 of who? The devil, Satan. He said, the thief doesn't come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Now watch what he says here. This is beautiful. Talk about the great reward of just acknowledging God as my provider by giving. In verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Now, what that means is, if I'm saying, God, you've given all this to me anyway, I'm going I'm to continue to turn it over and give it to you that you might use it and trust that you're going to continue to give back so that I can Does that make sense to you? So I'm no longer a, a dammed up body of stagnant water where things die. I'm a flowing river where the blessing of God's coming in and going out, coming in and going. You see that? And, and what he says is, uh, if you'll do this, I'll rebuke the drought. So then let's flip the coin over and look at the negative side. What is the negative side of that? If we don't, Come on, y'all help me. We all smart people. God will not rebuke the devourer, and therefore he'll camp out in your home, your marriage, and your finances, and, 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 and he's stealing, killing, and destroying. <clears throat> and, and it's not, listen, it's not because it brings God joy. If it was, God would never tell us this. He'd keep that hidden, and we wouldn't get to make a choice. And the devourer, he'd, if God took pleasure in the devourer devouring our lives, he would never give this gracious instruction to a people who have rebelled against him so many times. And that, it's not, and by the way, I'm pointing back at my Bible, but I really need to be pointing at me. He would not be having me here this week studying that, saying to me, Terry, even though you've, you've walked, you've done wrong, you've, you've, I'm still saying to you, I want to, I want to show you if you'll trust me. And so as we're walking through that devourer for my sake, and my question that I would pose to you is simply this, could it be that the devourer is having a heyday in your finances and in your marriage and in your relationships is because you've not acknowledged God as your provider? How? How can I do that? By giving. Some of y'all learned some stuff today. Come on. 
If you've learned something today from Malachi, raise your hand. Just slip it right up in there. Oh, yes. Amen. I, it was worth coming today. Now, let's finish, okay? One verse. Read with me. He says this. If you'll now do that, protection from the devourer, all that he offers to me and you. A closing statement would be in verse number 12 in this particular section. He says, and all the nations will call you blessed. And you will be a delightful land. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I would love for God to talk about me and you that way. Man, he or she, she's a delightful. Or, or how about as a, as a faith family? Hickory Ridge is a delightful land uh, because they're not selfish and greedy, but because they acknowledge their provider by giving of their time, talent, and treasure. Now, here's my closing question. Please don't pack up because this is where it's all, it's all going to reside. Don't pack up on me. All right, here it is. How could God look at these people and say, acknowledge me by giving? Acknowledge your love for me by giving. How could God dare say that? How could God dare sit on his throne and look down at those people and say through Malachi, acknowledge your love for me as your provider by giving? How could he dare say that? Who in their right mind and heart could ever look down at creation? We're weak, we're beggarly, and ever say to us, acknowledge your love for me by giving. I'll tell you, according to John 3, 16, you know what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave. Stop right there. He acknowledged his love for you by giving. And now as his children, he invites me and you to acknowledge our love for him. How? By giving. And I'm talking to the youngest, to the oldest, and everybody in between. So that could finish that verse. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God's not arrogant. He's not asking us to do something that he has not done greater. Because as you said, he loved the, so loved the world that he gave, not gold and silver that tarnishes and goes up and down with stock markets and, and gold prices, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, somebody help me, will never perish, but instead have everlasting life, eternal life. It doesn't start when you die. When you invite Jesus to be Lord of your life, eternal life starts right then. It's a relationship with God that never ends. Here's what I want to do. I invite you to bow your head with me for just a moment. I know I'm shocked right out of time too. Boy, I'm, I'm just, I felt like I was just getting warmed up. But would you bow your head with me for just a moment? And I want you to consider something with me this morning, all right? What is God saying to you? What's he saying to you in this message today? Now, first and foremost, I would begin here. If you look back over your life today, right now, can you say with certainty that there's been a time in your life that you truly have surrendered your life to Jesus? And if, and if right now in your heart and your mind, there's a no, there's some question. I'm not certain. I, you know, I, I think I did. My mama told me I did. I, I, you know, I, I, I just, I want you to know, I've been praying for you since early this morning that, that today the message about giving, the only thing you would hear, you didn't hear any of that other stuff. The only thing that you would hear is that God loved you so much that he gave, he acknowledged his love for you that he gave his son for you. And what he says to you today is to come. I'm so glad he didn't say go. He says, come, come to me. And today, right where you're seated, man, woman, boy, girl, if the Holy Spirit is nudging your heart and you're looking over your life and that's never happened for you, did you know that right now in this moment you could be saved? You could be born again. Listen to me. 
You could come in here lost and separated from God. You walk out on the same sidewalk, born again and forgiven, like you've never committed a sin. Are you kidding me? That's what God offers you. If you'll believe on the Lord Jesus in such a way, not just to repeat a prayer, but to say something like this, because Jesus died for me and rose again, I want him to come and be number one in my life. I'm just going to be quiet for a minute. I wonder if there are brother or sister in the house that might come to the altar and pray. You might be saying, well, that concrete's going to be tough on my knees. We thought ahead for you. We've got some little pads all the way across the, the altar. And so I just want to invite you to come. I wonder if anybody would just would come. I know there are people in this room who are lost, have never been born again. I wonder if you'd come and just, just petition God to save them. I wonder if you just come to the altar and begin to pray, God, would you bind Satan? Don't let Satan trick them. Don't let them play games with their head, but Lord, instead help them today to give it all over to Jesus. Matt Greer this morning fully surrendered his life to Jesus in the early worship time. Oh, I'm so thankful for prayer warriors who come and say, Lord, would you please save? There's someone here today, they, 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 they think, if you ask them, see, I'm a Christian, I live in the South, and I, you know, I believe, but they've never surrendered to Jesus. Would you pray for right now they would today would do that? Right in their seat. Now, there's some that are down at the altar already to help me. Y'all come on out of there so I can see who all is going to be helping me, all right? Brian and Taylor's going to be with me. Gerald's down there. Mr. Nay's coming. Jimmy. Listen, I want to invite you to stand out there, if you would. Just stand to your feet and stay, stay in the spirit of prayer for just a moment, just a few more moments, okay, before we leave. And I'm saying these are scattered across the front, and they'd love if you have a prayer need, if you today you've been born again, if you want to know more about how you can give your life to Jesus, if you want to return to Christ, then they're waiting. They want you to come. Come find one of them and say, ladies, Mr. Nay's there. Miss Dawn's over to my right. Come find one of them. Miss Taylor's down front, right in the center. Just come say, hey, today I've invited Jesus to be Lord. Or, or there's something on my heart. I need to return. Me and there are guys all over across the front here. I'm coming down just a moment. Listen, if there's something on your heart, I challenge you today. Come, come before. What's God saying to you? Are you acknowledging him as your provider by giving? Oh, I hope today you didn't hear a preacher get up here and pound you and say, money, money, money. But instead... I hope God has explained to you what it's really all about. And it would be an expression of your love towards him as he expressed his toward you. So, Father, I pray that you take this time of response. And, God, that you would do whatever it is that you want to do. I, I, I won't pretend to know, God. I, I do pray there are people here who will be saved and born again. I pray that, God, maybe there's some folks here that need to join this gathering. I pray that today would be the day. They know they've already felt it. They would just come. Others that maybe have invited Christ to be Lord but have never, but have never followed through in baptism, I pray they'd come. We can help them with the next step. So, Lord, simply put, your kingdom come and your will be done in Jesus' name.